Thank you, praise team. What a great morning this has been. Wonderful songs that have prepared us for exactly uh, where we're going today to talk about uh, the holy God that we serve. And uh, we're continuing on in this series of what it means. Uh, you probably could say it with me at this point. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, to love God and to love others. To love God supremely is to know his commands, to follow his teachings, and to search out his heart. Figure out where it is that he's trying to lead us. We have to be able to answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? And once we've said before, we would say provider, sustainer, helper, that he's Savior, that he's Messiah, that he is Lord. It's at that point that we can start to search out how it is that he calls us to live. Last week, we talked about what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. We examine the nature and the character of who God is, that he's a God of love that demonstrated his love for us through the death of Jesus on the cross and then his resurrection to eternal life, which gives us an eternal hope. It's that love and hope that compels us to show love and live in unity with others. Uh, Last week was a little different, right? Uh, I had some, say, a little unorthodox, the preaching style. And, uh, but, but I also had some people that said, you know, thanks for stepping out of the box. And so uh, I'm going to double down today, all right? So we did three sermons last week. Uh, we're going for six today. <laughs> and, uh, and we're just going to keep adding as we go. And I think you're really going to enjoy the 48-part conclusion on August 26th. So uh, mark your calendar for that one. Uh, today we look at what it means to love the Lord with all our soul. It's a, it's a shift from heart affection to uh, devotion. It's a movement from desire to decisions. And so as I got uh, thinking this week, I was pondering the question, uh, very simply, what is the soul? What is the soul? And it seems like that's the kind of question we should just know the answer to, right? Um, Especially if we've been in, in church for a while. But we also tend to kind of breeze over the things that are just easily assumed. Uh, it's good for us to ask the simple questions. It's good for us to know the foundations of what we believe. And we want to create an environment for you to be able to ask questions. That's why we have the Orange Lanyard people. You know, you can ask them anything. They know all the things, okay? So you find an Orange Lanyard person, they can help you. And that's good because, like, in the church... Um, if this is all you know is the church, everything seems normal, right? If you're a new person, things seem kind of weird when you walk in. You know, like we've got our own language here. We use acronyms all the time. It took me six months to realize that the LLC was the Lay Leadership Council. And then it took me another three months to realize that the Lay Leadership Council was the church board. And so if you do that math, it was like last week that I put all of that together, Okay. Uh, we, we call each other brother and sister, you know? Uh, it, it sounds like we do a lot of intermarrying in the church, <laughs> if you don't know what it is we're talking about. Uh, I, I remember going to a, a conference one time. It was a conference I did not want to go to, uh, but my senior pastor was, was forcing me to go. And so, uh, so we went, and we're sitting in, in, the, in the car in the parking lot, and he gets out, and I just stay in the car, you know? And he's like, come on, we got to go. And I was like, I don't want to do this, man. And he said, you got to go. Uh, we're, we're team players. We're going to be a part of this. Come on. I'm like, fine. 
So we're walking up, and there's a guy standing outside of the church. And he looks at us, and he stops us, and he says, Gentlemen, the sun might not be shining out here today, but the sun, S-O-N, is always shining in there. And I was like, I'm out, okay? (laughs) This is a cult. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going home, all right? So uh, public service announcement, uh, ask the questions. You know, it's okay to ask the questions. Orange Land, your people, wonderful people. So let's start with that basic question. What is the soul? Uh, When you look through scripture, you come away with things like, it's our whole being. It's our connecting point to God. It's where our drive and our passions come from. Our soul is the eternal aspect of who we are. So we need to be thinking about things like, uh, what are the things that I'm engaging in that bring my soul closer to God? What are the things that I'm engaging in that are driving a wedge between me and God? What are the things that I'm doing that are filling my soul? What are the things that I'm doing that are draining the life out of my soul? We need to feed, nourish, and protect our souls. That's where the image of God can make his imprint on us. It's in our soul and spirit that we commune with God's spirit. It's our soul that will live on once our body has passed away. So today we're going to talk about what it means to love the Lord with all our soul. And our scripture passage comes from Matthew 16, uh, 21 through 27. And it's in this passage that Jesus gives direction as to what it means to follow him, to live a life of full surrender and obedience, and how that makes an eternal difference. So let's take a look at that. This is Matthew 16, verses 21 through 27. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, uh, this word to our hearts today. We thank you for, uh, for the path that you walked, for the love that you've shown to us, and for the opportunity we have to show that love to you. We pray that you would speak to us today uh, through your word, I pray that you'd strip away any part of me from this so that you are the only thing that we hear. We want to draw close to you. We want to be fully surrendered to who you are. So help us to do that today. In your name we pray. Amen. So three key phrases that we find in this passage. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So first, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. So he's saying, if you want to follow me, it can't be about you. If you want to follow me, you can't do things your way. You have to do things my way. 
wildly unpopular these days. That's not the kind of thing that people like to hear. We live in a time where feelings rule the day, right? The philosopher Rene Descartes was the one that, that coined the phrase that's translated, I think, therefore I am. And basically what he was saying is the fact that he can think is what assured himself of his own existence. It seems like we've moved to, I feel, therefore I am. Whatever we feel is, is what drives us. How we feel and the emotions we experience determine the reality that we're going to live in. We see this in all sorts of lifestyle issues, uh, political issues, all the different religions that we have in the world. Every person's feelings, every person's belief has to be accepted. And if you don't accept somebody else's belief, you're seen as intolerant. That can be tough for us. But we have a choice to make as the church. We can gripe about the world we live in. We can talk about how unfair things are, believing that this is a wrong way to go about thinking. Also making sure that we throw, bless you, making sure that we throw some Facebook posts on there every once in a while to let uh, people know uh, that we don't agree with them in an unkind and an unloving way. That's, that's one route to go, and a lot of people do. Or, we can not be surprised that the world reacts to Christianity the way that it does. Identify that this is the world that God has called us to share his story with. That we are a light in the darkness. Living the way of Christ will always be countercultural. Our focus as believers is not, I think, therefore I am, or I feel, therefore I am. It's because of who you are, I am. Our core identity is rooted in the personhood of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't live however uh, he wanted to. He didn't just say, I'm going to make the decisions that I feel like are best for me and then ask God to bless it. Instead, he turned to God. He turned to Scripture. He sought him in prayer and based his life decisions around how his Heavenly Father had designed things to work. Not my will, but your will be done. His way of life becomes the driver. He is primary. I am secondary. He's the creator. I'm the creation. Deny yourself. So here's a question. If you disagree with God on an issue, would you still agree to surrender? If the Bible said you couldn't do something that you would consider to be a, a part of who you are, a part of your life. Could you do it? Would you do it? And it's so easy to sit there and say yes, because that's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, if Jesus asked me to do something, of, of course I would do it. But imagine the most dear things in your life. If Jesus said you can't have that. If Jesus said you can't do that. Can we say Man, I, I really don't like that. That's not how I, I would choose to live. But it's not what I want. It's what God wants. Denying ourselves starts by saying, whatever God asks for me in this life, I'm in. Once we've made that commitment to put him first, then we can search his word out to figure out how he's called us to live. Sacrificial living is a major part of what it means to live and follow Jesus. Drawing close to God requires us to live counterintuitively. We don't do the things that we want to do. 
we make sure that we're doing the things that God has asked us to do. Next, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Take up their cross. Uh, how many people have ever heard someone say, uh, because I know the fine people at Kankakee First Church would never do this, uh, so it must be other people, would uh, say something fairly trivial and then follow it up with, that's my cross to bear. In-laws are coming to town. It's my cross to bear. Wife is making the sloppy joes tonight. That is my cross to bear. No Wi-Fi. That's my cross to bear. If you can add the hashtag first world problems after your statement, you're probably doing it wrong, okay? But some people really believe that's the level that Jesus is talking about here. Whatever is a personal struggle for us, that's my cross. Anytime we have to make a tough decision, that's my cross. Anytime we have a difficult relationship that we have to manage, that's my cross. We're missing the mark if we think that tough conversations and internet connections are comparable to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus on the cross was facing the sin of mankind. That was his cross to bear. But we have to remember who set him on that path. Who was it that did that? It was God. Jesus was paying the price for our sins on the cross. But God is the one who put the plan of redemption in place. I like that when I say God, it just blows everything up. We've been working on that, so I feel like we really nailed it there. Jesus didn't craft the cross that he died on with the actions of his life. It was the path that was laid out for him. And what did he do? He, he denied himself. If you remember in the garden, he, he prayed, if there's any other way. Twice he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But twice he said, nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. He took up the cross that God laid on him. We have to be careful to not make our own crosses. Instead, we have to be on the lookout for, what, uh, for those crosses that God has made for us. Where is it that God is asking me to take on burden for his greater good? What is he asking of me that the only reason that I would say yes is because he's God and I am not? We have to stay in step with God so that we never go out of the path that we might uh, go out of the path to meet a cross that we've made or miss a cross that he's laid out for us. When we rejoice in our afflictions and we glory in them, we take up the cross. And the key word there is rejoice, uh, the root of that being joy. It's not happy. It's not, it's not giddy. I mean, some of these things that we go through and, and a cross that God would call us to take on, it, it could be a pretty terrible thing. What Jesus went through on the cross was a pretty terrible thing. I don't know that he was happy about it. But there's joy in being able to serve and surrender to what it is that God is calling us to do. To deny ourselves and take up our crosses to say, I surrender to you and to your ways wherever and however you call me to live or die, I'll do it. And then finally, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, 
and follow me. So uh, we've got our kids in here today. That's always a, that's always a fun thing. I'm going to ask our kids to stand up. All right? Any, any kids in the sanctuary, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to play a little game. Am I on this or am I, am I on this? I'm on this. Okay. So uh, I'm going to stay right here. And we're going to play uh, a little game of uh, follow the leader. All right? So we're not going to walk around the room. You're just going to do the things that I do. Okay? So let's start. We're going we're gonna to march in place. We doing that? There you go. See, I didn't ask the adults to do it because they just won't, all right? That's why you guys are awesome. All right, let's run in place. Let's, let's take it up a notch. That's good. That's good. Can you, uh, can you touch your toes? Good for you. Really proud of you guys. All right, let's uh, let, pat your stomach. All right, spin in a circle. Man, you guys, you guys are perfect at this. Why don't you high-five the person next to you? All right, take a bow. All right, let's hear it for our kids. There we go. See, when we play the game Follow the Leader, the whole point is follow the leader. We do whatever it is that the leader does. Jesus says, follow me. Pretty simple. Are you following him? Are you doing the things that he's asked you to do? Could you be as bold as Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ? If someone followed you, would they end up at Jesus or would they end up somewhere else? If someone didn't know anything about Jesus, they didn't know anything about the Christian life, and they said, "Uh, I I, I believe that you have something that I don't. I want to do everything that you do in the same way that you do it. If somebody replicated your life, are they going to end up at Jesus? Or are they maybe just going to end up as a really good person, but no relationship with Jesus? Maybe they're going to end up as a really good church person, but no relationship with Jesus. Following Jesus requires us to know and imitate him. To conform ourselves in every way to being like him, no matter what crosses come our way. To do well and to suffer hardship is to follow Christ. We want everything to be easy. Following Jesus isn't always easy. He never said it would be. We try to make it sound that way sometimes. But following Jesus doesn't bring promises of great fame or wealth. In Luke 6 we hear, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot to unpack in those verses. But self-denial and patient suffering are hard lessons to learn. To follow Jesus requires that of us. Everything in this world tells us to just be who you are. Live in love however you want to. To follow Christ is to acknowledge that While we have free will to do as we choose, 
We have a loving Heavenly Father who gave everything for us, and in return, he asks us to follow him. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I've, uh, I've always kind of read that passage as um, like the ultimatum, the life and death situation. That you're faced with the question, do you believe in Jesus? And if you said yes, that might result in death, but your eternal security is guaranteed. Whereas if you were to say no, then uh, you might extend your life on earth, but you've lost that eternal side of things. There, there could be truth to that. There might be situations where that is exactly uh, what people encounter. But I think it goes deeper than that. Whoever wants to save their life, the way they do things, maintaining their own identity, keeping their own perspectives, their own desires, whoever wants to save their life, their way of doing life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, whoever gives their life for me, adopts God's way of doing things, finds their identity in Christ, shares his perspectives, makes God's desires their desires, they will find life for their soul. This is what it means to love the Lord with all our soul, being willing to trade in our life, our whole being, to share the story of Christ in a dark and broken world. The soul is the spiritual and immortal part of us, which thinks and reasons. It lives in the body now, but eventually it's going to live separate from the body. I was reading this week from Matthew Henry's commentary. He said this, The winning of the world is often the losing of the soul. The loss of the soul is so great a loss that the gain of the whole world will not counter it or make it up. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Here is the world set in the scale against one soul. So you have the world on one side of the scale and a soul on the other. It is weighed in the balance and found too light to weigh it down, meaning the soul wins out. This is Christ's judgment upon the matter, and he is a competent judge. He had reason to know the price of souls, for he redeemed them. Nor would he underrate the world, for he made it. God knows the cost of a soul. It cost him everything. How will you respond to that kind of love? Will you deny yourself? Will you take up the cross that he lays out for you and trade in your life to follow and proclaim the name of Jesus in this world? In John Wesley's small groups, they would begin with the question, how is it with your soul? It's a great question. It's it's deeper than that cursory, how are you? You know, how is it with your soul? It should cause us to pause, to reflect, to pray, to acknowledge our struggles, to remember the joy of our salvation. So how is it with your soul today? At the core of who you are, are you fully surrendered and set apart for God's use only? 
See, when we use the word sanctification, that's what we're talking about. Being fully surrendered and set apart for God's use only. The carnal nature has been put to death. My desires have been put to death. I only want what God wants. Have you taken that step? Where are the places in your life that you're holding on? Where are the places in your life that you need to let go? Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Surrender to him. Trade in everything that you are for everything that he is. Our response today is in the form of communion. We're acknowledging through this sacrament uh, something. We're acknowledging it externally, what God has done in us internally. Pastor Leon's going to come and lead us. So I leave you with that question. How is it with your soul? Surrender to him. Find peace with your soul today.